0: you're catching us on the final week of a series that we've been doing called Maxed Out. And we've taken the last three Sundays now, we've had a conversation on the responsibility of financial stewardship. And uh, let me say it like this. We've been talking about money. Come on, somebody. Have you enjoyed this series so far? If you've been a part of it, come on, I hope you have. And if you've missed any of the previous weeks, you can always jump online, download the podcast, watch the replay, share it with family and friends. I, th- I really believe in my heart that we've, uh, we've gone quite, quite a few places without these uh, throughout these conversations. And uh, I hope that my prayer has been, at least, is that through me, the Holy Spirit has brought some conviction into your heart, some conviction into your home, some conviction into your wallet. Come on out. And uh, we've reconsidered our responsibility of stewardship and one of the primary reasons that we've done this series is because, and you've heard me say this, but I want to say it again, too many people are living in a financial prison. Too many people, are they've, they've voluntarily signed up to be in financial bondage, and God does not want you to be in financial prison. As a matter of fact, God wants you to be financially free. And every, this is where, I'm really, where I really need an amen, in every area of your life, God wants you to experience freedom. Come on especially in the area of finances. And one of the primary reasons is because with God, there is always more. Somebody say more. There's always more with God, and whenever we fall into the trap of financial temptation, we fall into the temptation of serving money and loving money. What ends up happening is whenever God calls us to what's more, we have to use excuses as to why we can't say yes to being obedient to God's plan for our life. And a lot of times it has to do with this reality of being maxed out. And society is a huge factor in all of this because culture has created for us what we know is a new normal. This new normal is being overwhelmed in debt. This new normal is being suffocated by student loans. Come on now. This new normal is being drowned with credit card debt. It's living in a house you you really can't afford. You just had to have seven bedrooms when you could have got away with three. Come on now. You know what a bigger house means. Bigger house means more furniture. Come on, so... It's driving a car that we really we feel financially upside down in and and truthfully it's no wonder why people struggle with anxiety and they struggle with bouts of depression especially during the holiday season because we we put a lot of pressure on ourselves and then you watch TV or you listen to the radio or you get on Facebook which isn't it so crazy that you can talk about an item out loud and then it shows up on your Facebook newsfeed? Has anybody seen this lately. What's happening out there? You better be careful what you're saying in your household. Alexa is listening. Come on now. <laughs> you know, and so so now with marketing and all of that, I mean, they're, they're forcing us into this false reality that we have to keep up with the Joneses you know, the old saying. And again, we find ourselves, we find ourselves maxed out. So that's been the reason why we've had this conversation. It has nothing to do with us wanting something from you. It has everything to do with God having something for you. Now, with that said, we are taking up an offering. Come on, somebody. <laughs> but this is a little different, especially if you're visiting here or you're new here. I want to tell you why this offering is is different than almost any other offering you've ever been a part of. We're calling it the Legacy Offering. On the count of three, both campuses, say that Legacy Offering with me, one, two, three legacy offering. We're calling it that because I believe it's our responsibility to live a life and leave a life of legacy. It's happening on Sunday, December the 8th, and here's what's so unique about this particular offering. We're asking for 100% of you to give because we're giving 100% of it away. Come on and just put your hands together right there. Come on, make some noise. That's fantastic, isn't it? Everybody's jumping in and giving, and we're giving every penny. I've done this the last couple of Sundays, but I want you to know that you can can take this word to heart. I'm putting my hand on this Holy Scripture. Every penny, every nickel, every dime, every dollar, every check, every text to give that is credited towards this legacy offering, we're giving it all away. We're not paying operations costs. We're not paying administrative costs. I'm not going to try to get a new jacket. Come on, somebody. We're we're giving it all away. It's all going away. And you might be wondering, well, where are you giving this money to? And here's just a list of a few lanes is what we call them, a few lanes that these funds will be designated towards and for. This has always been a church that's focused on outreach, local outreach and world missions. Uh, We're really going to invest into our local nonprofits in both of our communities and, of course, continuing to support missionaries around the world. We also believe in the responsibility of Christian education, and so there are great Christian education programs within our communities, also great Christian education universities that we want to partner with to continue to raise up young men and young women in the ways of the Lord. We're also going to partner with different nonprofits to combat food insecurity and even help individuals with some some medical needs and prescription medications. Of course, we have a heart for church planting. We believe that the local church is the hope of the world. And so we're going to partner with individuals trying to plant churches around the country. And then finally, it is our responsibility, according to Scripture, to make sure we take care of the widows and the orphans. And so we're going to jump in with benevolence and uh, really make a huge difference. So again, I'm asking everybody to give because we're giving it all away. And I, wanna, I just want to say this kind of unscripted, just from my heart for a moment. I don't ask for much. We really don't. We, as a matter of fact, we hardly ask for anything. We always give opportunity. We give opportunity to serve. We give opportunity to give. But I'm asking. For what it's worth, I'm asking. Ev- everybody can do something. Uh, regardless of your financial situation. At the end of the day, you can lift up the couch cushions and find some quarters. Come on, somebody. Everybody can do something. I've even pulled in our next generation leaders. Those are the ones that are leading the way with our Go Kids and Go Youth at both of our campuses. And I've challenged them to think of a way that even uh, our, our kids and our youth can jump into the process of giving a legacy offering. So some of your own kids and grandkids might be asking how they can participate in this. I'm just asking everybody to do something, 100% participation. You've got a couple more weeks to get ready. Three things, you've seen this before. I'm asking you to begin to pray. I'm not telling you an amount to give. The amount of money never matters. Come on, give me an amen. Amen. It's always about the amount of obedience. The amount of money is not the point. It's about the amount of obedience. So when you begin to pray, God will reveal to you the amount that you ought to give. Which, by the way, um, this is a great life lesson. Just anything that you're going to do, you should always pray first. Come on. It was a great theologian, M.C. Hammer, who said you've got to pray just to make it today. Come on, somebody. So, you know, I mean, if M.C.'s got that down, we ought to as well. So, so y'all want you to begin to pray. And then depending on what the Lord says, then you have to begin to prepare And then once you prepare, then on Sunday, December the 8th, I want you to come and participate. And I just want to share with you one quick encouraging story. Kimberly and I, we've already been in the process of prayer about what the Lord would have us to give in this legacy offering. This offering is above and beyond what you typically give uh, to your local church. So that's why it's called an offering. And so we've been praying, okay, Lord, what would you have us to give above and beyond what we already give? Now this is just a rule of thumb for our house. I don't know how you and your your house operates, but whenever Kimberly and I are thinking about a gift of any kind, whether it be to the local church or maybe to bless a particular family, we always go with the higher amount. We always go with the higher number. So if I've got an amount and she's got an amount and her amount is higher, we always go with the higher number. You might be wondering why, and here's why. Cuz you can't outgive God. Y'all not going to help me today and that's okay. I've heard this uh, message already one time, and it's good, so I'm going to preach to myself if I need to. And so we've, we've, been, we've been praying in the process of praying, and the Lord dropped an amount of a financial amount in my heart about what we should give, and I shared that with her. And this is true. you can't make stuff, uh, make up stuff like this. On Friday of this week, Kimberly checked the mail, and there was uh, a piece of, of mail that I thought was a bill from our homeowners' insurance uh, for this year. when I opened it up. It, it was a check written back to me for the almost exact amount that we were going to give to the legacy offering. Watch this? I'm gonna tell you why? Because all year long we had been paying two home insurances and did tell me God ain't good. Come on somebody. So the point is this, is that, is that when you begin to pray, God, God will make a way and I'm not trying to give you some prosperity gospel, but I am going to say this to you. You can receive it if you'd like to, but some of y'all pardon the grammar, but some of y'all you're going to receive unexpected checks in the mail too. Come on now, because when you step out in faith, God is good all the time and all the time. Come on now. So, and then participate Sunday, December the 8th. This is going to be a miracle offering a supernatural offering, and we're going to impact a lot of people. Are you excited about this? Come on, both campuses one more time. Put your hands together. It's going to be great. I'm excited for it. Now, let me give you a couple couple key verses that we've been walking through the last few Sundays in this series, and I'll start with this key thought. You'll hear this a couple of times today because this is closing out this particular series, and I want to make sure that this gets into your spirit. This is what I believe. The way that you handle your finances, the way that you handle your money, is one of the best outward measurements of your inward spiritual condition. Let me say it again. The way that you steward your finances is one of the best outward measurements of your inward spiritual condition. And here's why I believe this. Because Jesus said it. Jesus said in Matthew 6, he said that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let me get both campuses. Let's read this together on three: one, two, three. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Here's another uh, passage of scripture we've been looking at. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7. It says, the rich rule over the poor, and watch this, and the borrower, so the one that's maxed out, the one that's got overwhelming credit card debt, the one that owes too much money to whatever, fill in the blank, motor company, uh, the one that is house poor. You've heard that phrase in the past. Uh, the, one, the one that is just being drowned in the medical debt. Whoever is the borrower is actually a slave. Say slave. slave. A slave to the lender. Now this English word slave is the Hebrew word ebed, and it literally means to be in bondage. So, so the borrower is actually in bondage to the lender. Church, this is the definition of being maxed out. And it's no wonder that there is so much stress and so much anxiety because too many people are living in a financial prison. They're living in a financial bondage, but God wants you free. He wants you free. Let me give you one more verse here, and we'll jump into the thought for today. We've looked at this a few weeks in a row. It's Ecclesiastes 5, verse 10. Whoever loves money never has enough, and whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This, too, is meaningless. Now, here's something you need to know. God God is not against your wealth. God is not against you being blessed. God is not against you being prosperous. God is not against you making good money. God is not against you driving a nice, reliable car. He's not against you living in a nice home. He's not against you having nice things. God is not against your wealth. God is just against your dependence on wealth. Over and over again, whenever you read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, you read and you learn that anytime we have a dependence on anything other than God, it's evil. Come on. Jesus taught this repeatedly. And even in the Old Testament, uh, on the Ten Commandments, it said, thou shalt have no other gods before me. So God God is not against your wealth. He's just against your dependence on wealth. Let me say it like this, okay? Watch. Watch. God God, is not okay with you relying on MasterCard when you need to rely on the master. Come on, somebody. So, yeah, he wants you to be blessed, but he doesn't, he doesn't want you to trust the bank. He doesn't want you to trust your credit report. He doesn't want you to cr- uh, trust your 401K. He wants you to trust him and him alone. Come on, are you with me? So, so one of the thoughts is, as we kind of transition into today, and you've heard me say this, and this is really where I'm going to sit for the next half hour, is that I believe with all of my heart, because I'm, I'm a living testimony of this principle and this truth, that the very best way that you can take back some financial control, the very best way that you can gain some financial stability, the very best way that you can create some financial margin, listen to me now, is to start giving. Listen, it's to start tithing. Now, here's what happens. In the church, anytime the pastor starts talking about money, some people act a certain way. Here's what I've learned, and I don't want this to be offensive, but I have learned that anytime the church talks about money, the people who are offended about the church talking about the money are the people not giving. <laughs> yeah, and some of you are like, I ain't gonna clap at that. <laughs> That's because I'm talking about you because people who are living in this discipline of generosity, people who are putting God to the test, people that are tithing, they understand that you reap what you sow. Uh, I've done this a few times, so let me prove it to you. If you've ever experienced God's faithfulness, because of your obedience to give, come on and give Jesus some thanks. Watch right here. That's it. And if you'll, if you'll let your guard down. For those of you who are skeptical of conversations in church about money for a few minutes, I'll prove to you even at the end that my heart for this series is far more about you than it is about us. I really genuinely believe that God wants you to have some financial control. I believe that God wants you to have some financial margin. He wants you to breathe. And I I believe the best way to do that is to start giving. You've heard me say this. The best way to get out of debt is to give your way out of debt. Now, to most people, this doesn't make sense. But God's way is not like our way. Come on, God's way is higher than our way. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And at the end of the day, for so many of us that are living a maxed out life, our way is not working to begin with. There is something about the economy of God that when we put God first, somebody say first, and I'll show that to you in a moment. But whenever we put God first and we start to give, now we position ourselves, we align ourselves for supernatural favor and for blessing. Now, I understand that for many of you, you're thinking this sounds almost like an oxymoron. That if I want to get out of debt, then why would I give money away? How can giving money away actually create the financial control, stability, and margin that you talked about? I'm so glad you asked me because there's a beautiful proverb in your Bible that answers this question. It's Proverbs chapter 11, one verse of Scripture here, and here's what it says. One person gives how? And then watch. Yet they gain what? What? Do you see that? While another person withholds unduly or unwarranted or timidly. And that leads them to to poverty. Do you see this? So one person gives freely and they gain even more. But whenever we try to hold on to it, come on, we talked about those seagulls in Nemo a few weeks ago, mine, 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 we're holding on to it. It actually, that type of selfish ambition and vain conceit will lead us to a life of poverty. So, so for a minute, let's look at what it, what it looks like, what it means to give freely and gain even more. And which by the way, and I just want you to know this, that this idea of gaining even more is, when it comes to God is so much more than money. You know that God can bless you with more than just money, don't you? Like when when you give freely, God can bless you with even more health. Come on now. God can bless you with an even more marriage, a greater marriage. God can bless you with even even more like well-behaved children. So it's more than just finances here. God, when he wants to bless you, there are unlimited ways that God can bless you. So let's talk about this, what it means to give freely and gain even more. And here it is. It's called the tithe. It's called the tithe. Now, I'm going to talk about this. And again, hang in there because I think you'll enjoy where we end up. What is the tithe? There's this Hebrew word for our English word tithe, and it's the word maser. Maser. And it literally means a tenth. So, so the tithe literally means 10%. The tithe is 10%. The tithe is not 2%. The tithe is not 20%. In scripture, the tithe is defined as maser, and maser means the 10th part, or 10%. So let me give you a couple working definitions. Write these thoughts down. Tithing is simply returning to God the first 10% of our income, and we do that through His local church. So let me read it again. Tithing is returning the first 10% of your income to God through His church. And I want you to notice the intentionality of my wording. I said tithing is returning to God, not giving to God. It's returning to God. Technically, it's not giving because we're just returning back to God what he's already given us. Come on now. Let me say it like this. The Bible, the Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes from our father above. So yeah, you worked that job to get that paycheck, but it was God who gave you that job to begin with. Come on now. It's kind of all of it's a setup. So we're just, whenever we tithe, we're just returning back to God the first 10%. That's what tithe means to God through his local church. Does this make sense? Uh, Let me show it to you. Uh, Let me get Craig. Where's Craig? This is Craig. Uh, Some of you, you've seen Craig around before. For some of you, this is the first time you've ever seen Craig. Uh, Craig is kind of, uh, he's a part of our worship a choir here and team here, but he's also a behind-the-scenes guy. Craig always sets up my my fancy little TV, and he always pulls out my pulpit, and he always watches this, and he always makes sure that I got something to drink back here. Come on, somebody, would you give it up for Craig? Come on, Craig does a great job. So I'm gonna I'm gonna show you. The principle here of tithing is returning the first 10% of your income to God through his local church. So, Craig, I need a $100 bill. I need a $100 bill. So you can tell this is a a real $100 bill. And I know what some of you are thinking. Why would you take money from nice Craig? Craig's a nice guy. Why would you take money from him? And I'm going to tell you why. Because this ain't his money. This is my money. Come on, somebody. (laughs) So before this gathering, I told Craig backstage, I said, look, I'm going to give you a $100 and he was like, "Well, thank you." Pastor I was like, "No, no, let me finish my thought. I'm going to give you $100 when I call you on stage, you give me my money back and don't fight me for it because it's going to get ugly real quick. Come on somebody. Security all over, okay? So, I'm taking the money because well, it's my money. Now, if I were God, so let me step into the role of God and I said to Craig, "Craig, I'm going to give you $100. God's going to give you $100." then I would only ask for 10% back. So you you're better at math than I am, but 10% of hundred is 10. So Craig then would return only $10 to God. Now, even if you're not a believer, that type of an investment, you would take all day, every day. Come on somebody. If you're thinking I wouldn't do that, you need a better financial advisor and I'm trying to help you. So with God, God says, I'm going to give you 100 and I, I'm only asking you to return 10%. Do you get that? Not at me if you get it. Now take out that other $100 because there's bad news for Craig. I ain't God, and I need all my money. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Come on, give it up for Craig one more time. With God, whatever he gives you, you're just returning the first 10%, 10% of your income to God through his local church. Let me give you a, a scripture here, Leviticus 27. The Bible says a tithe. Everybody say tithe. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to who? Come on, I don't want you to miss that. It's all the Lord's. Come on, it's all the Lord's. Uh, you, you've heard the old school preacher say it like this. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills, and he owns them, their hills, too. It all belongs to the Lord. And watch this. And it is, somebody say Holy. It is holy to the Lord. So let me tell you why why this works and how this works. That if you're trying to get financial control, you're trying to get financial stability, it works because when you return to God what is rightfully His, you put God in the right place as a priority, that tithe becomes holy. That word holy simply means set apart, it means designated for another purpose. So I like the way that Pastor Craig Rochelle, who pastors Life Church, he says it like this, and I thought I'd share it with you. He says it this way. He says, I never want to keep what belongs to God in my house. He says, whatever belongs to God, I'm taking to his house. Come on. Because it's holy and it's set apart. You know, I, I heard a story one time about a preacher that when he was a kid, whenever it was time for giving, they used to pass offering plates. You remember the offering plates? Uh, Here we pass uh, buckets up at Germantown because they're a portable church in a movie theater. They pass popcorn buckets. Come on, somebody. Right? And so years ago, they would pass an offering plate. And the preacher talked about the time where he was a child. The offering plate would come by and he would just take a dollar out every week. Just one little dollar out every week. And then after church, he'd run to the local grocery and get himself an ice cream. Isn't that crazy? Well, as he grew up, he realized, okay, that's not really the right thing to do. And if God's calling me to be a preacher, I can't be a preacher that steals. Hello? (laughs) But watch this. For those of us that aren't tithing and putting God in our rightful place, we're driving stolen cars. Oh, Jesus, help me, Lord. (laughs) Living in a stolen house. Matter of fact, the Bible says, how can a man rob God? And the Bible says that withholding tithes and offerings. I'm just trying to help you today. You know, I'm not trying to get new followers on Twitter. As a matter of fact, we max out our Facebook friend requests. So I'm not trying to win new friends. I'm trying to help you understand that when you put God first and you give back to God what rightfully belongs to God, he will bless you exceedingly abundantly above all you could ever ask, think, or imagine. He is a good God. Anybody with me today? Come on. Let me give you another working definition here. Tithing is returning to God my first and my best So he can bless the rest. Listen, I want you to know this. It takes faith to tithe. It takes faith to tithe. To put God first. To say, I'm going to give to God before I give to any other line item on my budget. Look, it does not take faith to take care of all of the other responsibilities, even if some of them are our own bad stewardship to take care of those responsibilities and then say to God, now I'm going to give you whatever's left. There is a principle here that I want you to learn that if you return to God what is rightfully His, just 10%, you give Him your first and you give Him your best, He will bless all of the rest. Do you believe that? Let me give you the Bible to back it up. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. It says, honor the Lord from your wealth. So yes, you should volunteer your time Yes, you should give back to your community. But the Bible also says to honor the Lord from your wealth, with your money. And from the first, somebody shout first. From the first of all of your produce. And then here's verse 10. So that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats. So a vat was a large tub that was used to store wine in years ago. So it says, the barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow. I don't, know, I don't know if this message is connecting in this gathering like I'm hoping, but I hope this thought does. When you look at your finances, do you use words like plenty and overflow? Or when you look at your finances, do you feel the weight and the emotional struggle of being maxed out? God wants you and I to experience plenty, God wants you and I to experience overflow because he's a God of more than enough. And again, he doesn't bless us so that we can keep it all to ourselves. God blesses us so that we can be a blessing. So, So this is just some working definitions here on the idea of tithing. Now I'm gonna help you understand why you should tithe. Here's why. Tithing teaches us to put God first. Every time that I tithe, and you've heard me say this before, So the way that I get paid is on direct deposit. Okay. When that direct deposit comes in, the very first thing I do is take out my cell phone and text God. Give to God. It's the first thing I do before we pay a bill, before we buy whatever, before the kids eat Chick-fil-A, God's going to get his first. Somebody say first, I will call a three day fast in my household real quick. If we haven't paid our tithe first, he gets it first. Now watch this. Matthew 6 says it like this. If you seek, this is good, isn't it? If you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, then everything else will be added. Here's here's the problem. This This is what so many of us do. We try to get everything else added and then seek his kingdom and his righteousness. It's a spiritual dyslexia we've got it twisted. God comes first. And when you put God first, then all of these things will be added unto it. Why? You've heard me say it all series long. The way you handle your money is the best outward measurement of your inward spiritual condition. You show me your bank statement, and I'll tell you where God is on the level of priority God has to be first. Here's a second reason why we tithe. Number two is tithing provides for God's work through his local church. Again, I get it. People act a certain way when the church talks about money. And and of course, I'm not responsible to pastor any other church or any other campus in the two campuses that God has given us leadership over under his leadership. And so I have to make sure that we surround ourselves with great accountability, that the investments that we make and the purchases that we make and the ministry that we do and uh, the nonprofits that we partner with and the money that we give, that all of that is laced with financial stewardship. God calls us to be financially good stewards. So we put in place a board of trustees. We have a finance committee. We create a budget. We don't just walk around saying, hey, take some money and just roll with it, baby. Just figure it out as we go. That's not what we do. Um, I can't speak for other churches, but I do want to apologize that if you've ever been a part of a church that's mishandled God's money or, God, or they have used your tithe in an inappropriate way, that, that is not the way the local church should work. Come on, somebody give me a better amen. Okay, um, I apologize for certain televangelists that have manipulated people that if you give $100 over the next 100 days then you'll get 100 blessings. I just it's really really dangerous that type of theology and that type of teaching. But I will say this that God puts an expectation on us to love the church the way that he loved the church. Christ loved the church so much that he laid his life down for it, even knowing that so many Christians would turn their back on him. He still gave his life willingly. So I'm going to make a statement here, and I hope that it lands, and I hope you hear my heart behind this. If you don't trust this church with your tithe, go find a church you do trust and tithe there. Because I would rather you, listen to me, I would rather you live in obedience at a different church than live in disobedience and stay at this church. It's our responsibility to fund the kingdom of God through the local church. And then we have to trust the leadership to make sure that, again, the investments and the budgeting and the spending is accountable to the Scripture. Do you see that? As a matter of fact, here's what Malachi says. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Now, for centuries, uh, evangelical theologians have studied this word storehouse, and they believe that it's an Old Testament reference about the New Testament church. So that's us. So bring, bring all of the tithes into the storehouse so that there might be food in my house. In other words, listen, whenever you tithe, you support the vision of your local church and the kingdom of God is forever impacted and changed. Now, I'm gonna share with you more statistics in February of 2020, because at the beginning of each new year, we do Vision Sunday. But let me highlight just a few thoughts of what your generosity, your giving is doing in the kingdom of God around the world through your contribution to this local church. In 2019, you all have given, between our two campuses, tens of thousands of dollars to missionaries, some that you will never meet, and some of the deepest, most spiritually dark places in all of the world. Right now, we have missionaries in Africa, we have missionaries in Southeast Asia, in Honduras, and in Belize, and they're there full-time because of your generosity. Come on, somebody, that's good news, isn't it? In 2019, because of your tithing, we have fed and clothed hundreds and hundreds of children and orphans around the globe because of your generosity. We've helped single moms and single parents pay their rent and buy groceries. We've helped widows with some routine maintenance around their house. We've partnered with a, a variety of nonprofits that are combat, combating the uh, sinful industry of human sex trafficking. And uh, these, these nonprofits are going into parts of the world and they're rescuing women from this tragic lifestyle and then giving them Christ-centered counseling and then re-engaging them with their family and with society. Watch this, in the next few weeks, you all are gonna be throwing Christmas parties for orphanages in Belize, Honduras, and Africa. And hundreds of children, come on, yeah, if we're gonna clap, let's do it. And hundreds of children are going to be given Christmas gifts, and more importantly, they're gonna hear the presentation of the gospel. Many of them, for the very first time, they'll hear the name of Jesus because of your tithing and your generosity. Don't get caught up in the skepticism of, well, the church is only asking for money. Look at the end of the day. Yeah, there are responsibilities to take care of. These lights have to be kept on, and we gotta pay some bills. Come on, your bills aren't free, are they? I mean, if your, bills are, if your utilities are free, we all moving in with you. But beyond what you see, God is doing something around the globe because you are giving to God, returning to God through his local church. Let me give you one more story here. This is a dear friend of mine, Pastor Manuel and his beautiful wife and one of his three sons. I met Pastor Manuel a couple of years ago on a missions experience to Belize. At that time, Pastor Manuel was pastoring a church in Orange Walk, Belize. Now He's co-pastoring the church. And he's also one of the directors of Children's Cup, which is a great nonprofit that your Go Church campus supports. So while I was there a couple years ago, I met Pastor Manuel. And my family have literally just kind of adopted this family. We feel like they're a part of us. And the way they treat us, they act like we're a part of them. So this past August, we took two teams on a missions experience. Our Germantown campus had the chance to go to Belize. And then our South Metro Atlanta campus, many of you went to Honduras. I split my week in two. I started in Honduras. And then the second half, I went to Belize. And Pastor Manuel and I, we hung out for a couple of days. And while we were there, I started to ask questions. See, Pastor Manuel, and he may be able to watch this uh, message at some point. So I want him to hear my heart. They, they live in a home that would be far below the standards that you and I are used to. Beyond that, they've taken in his mother-in-law, who is 100% disabled, and so they're, they're, they are her primary caretaker. I was asking Pastor Manuel, like, what, you know, tell me about your fa- a little bit more about your family and taking care of, of your mother-in-law and the responsibilities. And, and he looked at me and, and the sweetest broken English, and he said, Pastor JC, one day I want a house for my family. And uh, tears began to well up in his eyes because what he was saying is, I want to leave a legacy for my, for my kids. And I said, well, well, how does that look? And he said, well, he said, we, we bought some property. He said, well, you know, we had to take a loan out from the bank. And he said, and every month I'm making a minimum payment to try to pay off this property where one day I might be able to build this house for my wife and kids and my mother-in-law. So I, I didn't make any promises in that moment. I just asked questions. How many of you know sometimes it's good to ask questions before you make a promise? Come on now. So I started asking questions, and I said, well, Pastor Manuel, how much do you owe on this property where you want to build a house? And he said, Pastor JC, it's so much money. We owe so much money. And I said, well, I don't want to pry, but I'd be interested to know, like, how much is so much money? And he said, we owe $1,800 U.S. on this property. And I'm telling you, you've given me the responsibility as a spiritual leader of this house. I said, today you owe nothing today. We're paying the whole thing off. Well, come on somebody. I said, we're some, some of y'all in the back, you didn't hear me. I told them go church is paying it all off. Come on now. So and he, he, I mean, he began to weep. He collapsed in my arms, and his wife, later on, she came up to me, and this, th- of all the things to be thankful for, she said, I'll finally have a kitchen to cook for my family. So, so then I said, because, I, I, again, you just can't make, I don't ever want to make a promise that I can't keep, and then it's not from God. But I said, hey, so the property's not going to be paid off. We Western Union, the money, they're, they're, they're debt-free with that property because of you all. Okay? And I said, now, how much is it to build a house on that property? So much money. So much money. I said, well, how much is so much? He said, between 25 and 30,000 US dollars, we'd have our dream home. I didn't say anything to him, but I walked away and I told the Lord, I told the Lord, I want to build that house. I don't know how. Uh, listen to me. Hold on. I don't have the money. I <laughs> want you know, I want to I build that house. It's going to take more than money to build the house. Some of y'all got to get on a plane with me and go build that house. Okay. But I, I don't know. In my prayer for this legacy offering, I thought, what if we brought in enough money that we could build them this house? Come on. That's what I'm talking about. Because when you tithe to the local church, you're providing for God's work to be done around the world. Ladies and gentlemen, let me say it like this and I'll move on. This is what it's about. This is what it's about. Meeting people at the point of their need. Number three, and I'll I'll finish up here. We tithe because tithing strengthens our faith in God. Every time I give, my faith is tested and my faith is strengthened every time that I give. So if you're here today and you would say to me, I don't feel like I've got strong faith in God, I would challenge by asking, well, are you a tither? Because tithing strengthens my faith. And and a lot of times, and I think this is why so many people don't come see me for counseling anymore, because a lot of times I'll say about whatever problem, well, are you tithing? And the answer is typically no. If you came to me and you said, hey, I don't have a lot of faith in God and I don't read my Bible, I would say to you, listen, read your Bible because this Bible is full of promises. If you said, I don't have a lot of strength or faith in God and I don't pray, I would challenge you and say, listen, you've got to pray because there's so much power in prayer. So if you say, I don't have enough strength or faith in God and you don't tithe, I have to challenge you because when you tithe, there are provisions from God. There are blessings that come from God. Listen, don't take my word for it. Look what Malachi says. We looked at the front half. Let me show you the second part. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there might be food in my house. And watch, try me when? Right now. Try me now, says the Lord. Well, I'll start giving uh, when I'm in a better financial place. You may never be in that better financial place. Try me now. Try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. Watch this. And then this is the promise. See if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you so much blessing. Somebody say blessing. And again, we're talking more than money. Talking more than money. God's blessings are unlimited. See if I will not pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough for you to contain it. God says, you don't believe me? Try me. Give me a shot. Listen listen to me. Whatever your background is, whatever your faith background is, whatever your doubt or your skepticism, don't listen to me. Don't listen to me. Don't put your trust in me. Don't try, JC. Try God. You try God and watch what God will do. Let me get like 300 people between both campuses that have tried God, and he's opened up the window of heaven, and he's poured out so much blessing on you that there's not been room enough to contain it. He is good. He's good. Come on. Woo! Hey, it it reminds me of this story of this precious little old lady that was faithful to the Lord her whole life. Every day she'd get up and walk out on her front porch and she would say something like, this is the day the Lord has made. I will be glad and rejoice in it. God, you are so good. She'd go to church and she'd worship when the songs were playing. She'd amen when the pastor was preaching. She'd give her tithe and her offering faithfully, faithfully. And every day she'd stand on that front porch. This is the day the Lord has made. I will be glad and rejoice in it. Well, one day, an atheist moved next door to her. He lived in the house right next door, and every morning, this atheist had to listen to this woman proclaim, this is the day the Lord has made. I'll be glad and rejoice in it. God, you are so good. It drove him bananas. But the woman stayed faithful, stayed faithful to God, faithful to scripture, faithful to giving. One morning, she walked out on the front porch, and tears began to roll down her eyes, and she said this is the day you've made i'll be glad and rejoice in it but i don't have any groceries lord i'm gonna need a miracle today she went back inside well the old atheist the neighbor he got her and he said i know how to set this woman up so he goes to the grocery store and he buys two shopping carts full of grocery bagged them out appropriately and over the night he put them on her front porch and he waited until the morning where he was hiding behind a bush And the woman walked out on the front porch and she said, this is the day the Lord has made. I will be glad and rejoice in it, Lord, you are so good. And at that moment, the atheist jumped out from behind the bush and he said, gotcha. He said, the Lord didn't provide those groceries for you. I bought the groceries for you. And the old faith-filled woman said, Lord, you've been so good. Not only did you provide the groceries for me, but you made the devil pay for them. Come on, somebody. I've just come to tell somebody that God will pour out so much blessing on you. He'll make the devil pay for them, too. Come on, now. Yeah. To God be the glory. Look at somebody and say, he'll make the devil pay. Come on. I'm not saying that God is some cosmic slot machine that you put some money in, you pull a lever and jackpot, bam. Bam winner, winner, chicken dinner. No, God's not like that. But what I am saying to you is that God has blessings with your name on them. And when you come into alignment with God, when you start to tithe, heaven is opened and blessings, showers of blessing will fall. Come on. This is good today. Let me say it to you like this. Now we don't, we don't give to get I, 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 don't, I, I don't know if I've ever given to get. God's already given me enough. Man, God gave his son Jesus. I don't give to get. The reality or the principle is we get to give. Listen to me. You get to be a part of a legacy. You, some, many of you, most of you, will never meet someone like Pastor Manuel in Orange Walk, Belize. But generations in his family tree will be forever different because you get to give. Let me give you two action steps, and I'll be done because I'm running out of time. Number one, climb the giving ladder. For those of you here last Sunday, you might remember this illustration, and I want you to see it again one more time. I'm just challenging you to climb the giving ladder. Everybody take one step, just one step. So if you've never given to God through the local church, take the first step and be a first time giver. This is a great way to begin uh, the, the journey of generosity, just to give for the very first time. Or maybe for some of you, you're gonna take a step and you're gonna give occasionally. You're gonna give as you can, when you can. But just take that step and tell God that, God, I'm going to give as I can, when I can. But for some of you that are already there, take the next step to be an intentional giver. Now God, I can't tithe, I'm not in a place to give 10%, but I'm gonna be intentional and I'll give you 2% or 3% or 4 Just try. I'm not telling you what God's saying. Try me. Just try me. For some of you, you're gonna to step to this next rung on the giving ladder and you're gonna start tithing. The tithe is 10%. Somebody say 10%. It's the first and the best. And watch, God will bless the rest. So I'm challenging some of you today to step to this ladder and start tithing just try God. Then for others of you, this, this is where I want to live, right here. This to me is the legacy offering, that we're going to give above and beyond the tide, and we're going to watch God do supernatural things around the globe, in our communities, in our church, because of extravagant givers. So the first action step, just take a step. Choose one step, because it's not about me and you, it's about you and God. Just try God. Now, I hope that Some skeptics didn't leave, because I'm gonna say something that I think will really show my heart and kind of bring uh, uh, to a closure the whole series. So the second action step is this. Take the 90 day tithe challenge. 90 day tithe challenge. So I'm asking some of you to step up here. I'm asking you for 90 days to tithe, beginning Sunday, December the 1st, for 90 days. That'll take you to the end of February. If at the end of 90 days, listen to me, if at the end of 90 days you've been faithful and you've given 10% of your income, first and best, and God has not blessed the rest, for 90 days you look back and you think, I wasted that money, God has not blessed me during these 90 days, you call the church and I'll give you every penny back. No questions asked. You can have it all back. For some of you, you ought to try it because that's simply a savings plan that you needed in the first place. <laughs> Hello? Because listen to me, I don't want anything from you. God has something for you. On your way out, both campuses, stop by Next Steps. They're gonna give you one sheet of paper that'll explain more detail about the 90-day tithing challenge. You take it. And if God doesn't bless you, you can have all the money back. Because I'm not not trying to get something from you. God just has something for you. Last question, and I'm done. Are you willing to try God and trust God with your finances? I always close with a question. Here it is. Are you willing to try God and trust God with your finances? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Worship team is coming. Campus pastors are coming. Before you leave today, consider your action step. Will you climb the giving ladder? Will you take the 90-day tithe challenge? Will you try God and trust God in the area of your finances?